Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio is presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier. Hello, and welcome to Senior Salute Radio, presented by the Elder and Disability Law Firm of Victoria L. Collier. I am your host, Victoria Collier. Senior Salute Radio brings timely information to leading-edge boomers and seniors addressing the issues of aging, caregiving, and maintaining quality of life. Each show, we also salute the life of a senior. And today, we will be talking about difficult clients and placements. And with us are Mandy Markle, a geriatric care manager and the owner of Senior Resource Consulting, and Lewis Mann, the Executive Vice President of Atlanta Home Care Partners, and our celebrated senior will be announced later. Welcome, Mandy. Hi, thank you. Absolutely. So before we get into difficult things, tell me something easy. What is a geriatric care manager? Uh, well, <laughs> That's that, not so easy either. <laughs> it's not so easy because we do so many different things. But depending on who I'm talking to, I like to say a geriatric care manager is a professional daughter. It's because it's somebody that's usually hired by the child of a senior who needs some help. And typically what I will do is some in-home assessments. I will help with providing resources for people who are having difficulties with their parents, usually parents, and help with placement options, whether it be staying at home or in a community. So when you say difficulties with parents, um, what do you mean by that? What kind of difficulties could they be having? Well, none of us likes to admit we're getting older. And that extends to our parents. And no matter how old our parents are, we still like to think of them as our parents and able to do certain things that they did for us when we were children. So one of the biggest problems I find is denial from children in recognizing that their parents are no longer able to care for themselves, uh, provide for themselves either financially or for the, really for the most part it's healthcare wise. And sometimes it's denial from the actual parents. Um isn't it? A lot of the time. <laughs> I actually met with some clients today, a married couple, and the husband is displaying some health concerns. And he's like, and my daughter just keeps telling me I can't drive and I can't do this and I can't do that. Right. And uh, and you could see the wife was trying to be calm and, and quiet, but still, you know, trying to say, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, supportive of the daughter, but also, you know, of him. So. Sure. Well, if you think about it, really, the two fears that most people have is a loss of independence and a fear of being a burden to somebody else. And those are the two things that really impact the decision what to do with your parents. So as parents, you're, well, I don't want to be a burden to my child, so I'll be as independent as possible for as long as I can, where in reality, they sometimes end up being more of a burden because they're trying to maintain the independence so long and they're not able to do so. And that's a great topic for today, even though our topic discussion is difficult clients. You're talking a lot about independence, and today is July 4th, Independence Day. And so tell me the struggles that do happen when we're trying to hold on to our independence, but uh, you know others can see that there's a decline and that some assistance is necessary. And then how do you, as a care manager, get involved? Sure, that's a great question. Um, and also let me say that one of the credos of being a geriatric care manager is to try and preserve the independence and dignity of seniors as much as possible. So thank you for doing that. Um, one of the things that I run into constantly is the child will say, well, the child, the, the daughter or the son will say, okay, I promised mom or dad 
that they would be able to stay at home forever. That making I will, promises. Making promises. Mm-hmm. So I will never put them in a nursing home. Usually it's a nursing home, okay? Mom and dad have this idea of a nursing home, I guess most of us do, as from a, a long time ago where things have really changed. And some of the communities now are truly beautiful and enable people to live much more independently than at home. So I'll give you an example. So I have a, a, a client and the daughter called me. The mom had passed away very suddenly and they were just stunned because the father, they didn't realize how debilitated he was. And we see this over and over again. One spouse covers for another. Or they kind of like a tent lean two on each other exactly. and come crumbling down when something happens to one. That's exactly right. And sadly, it's often the caregiver who passes away and then the person with the actual disease, the dementia or or the other physical problem um, is left to fend for himself. And then all of a sudden the kids get calls from neighbors or they go for the the service or something and, and they see how difficult it has been for the other parents who passed away to take care of the now um, still living parent. So what do you do? So I meet with the three daughters. One was out of town. I met with the other two and the daughter had actually moved in with the father. So she had to probably maybe leave a job she had, leave a home that she was living in and uh, uproot either her family, meaning her husband and, and children or bring them with. If she had any. Well, that's, right. that's, that's right. And they were actually thinking about moving out of her home into the father's home. And I said, well, explain to me why you would go to all this trouble of uprooting your family. And she said, we made a promise to my mother before she died that we'd never take dad out of home. And the interesting thing about that is, though, that home becomes a place in your mind. It's not a place anymore. And if I could get try and get one thing across in terms of placement – It sounds corny, but home really is where the heart is. So when people say, I want to go home, when people are sometimes in the final stages of dementia, it's not the actual physical place of home. It's what they remember as being home. And if you can try in some way to create a home environment, you'll find it a whole lot easier. And even sometimes home means going to their maker. Correct. Um, So, so. So you help people try to decide, should they stay in their home? Should they go to a different environment, either move to someone else's home or assisted living or nursing home? Um, and so with that, do you get compliance from <laughs> the clients that you're working with? Or is there some hesitancy, some their resistance, some outright just, I'm not going to do it? So let me answer that and say I can probably count on five fingers of my hand, the people that have gone willingly, okay? <laughs> and is that when they were told they were going to go get ice cream first? <laughs> Either that or they said, Mom, we're going, pack your bags, we're going on a trip. Okay. Okay, and that has actually happened because sometimes it's very difficult to get people if they're set in their ways to actually move. Um, but more seriously, I can tell you that for the most part, even though people initially are hesitant, there's a period of adjustment and I've never yet found somebody who hasn't adjusted well after a certain period of time. Okay. It's just hard for children to watch that. And we are listening to Senior Salute Radio and discussing difficult family situations when someone needs more assistance. And we're speaking with Mandy Merkel, geriatric care manager and owner of Senior Resource Consulting. Now, Mandy, this sounds like it could be a stressful job. What do you enjoy most about what you do? Oh, I love what I do. I I truly feel blessed 
to have found something like this. Two things. Number one, I love older people. I, I really, I feel like I was drawn to this from my grandmother, who I had a very close uh, and strong relationship with. And I feel like it's my way of giving back something. The flip side, too, is that older people are so entertaining. I never know what my day is going to be like. Mm -hmm. I could not imagine sitting in an office all day in front of a computer. You know, I'll go to some people, and I always tell my clients, I say, I love being with older people because I'm always younger. <laughs> and right. yeah, and, and, and it always it always gets a laugh. But really, what I found is that most people just want somebody to listen to, um, to pay attention to them, and to truly believe that you're interested in them. And for, so, for me to be able to do that is wonderful. The hardest part is when I lose clients, and unfortunately, it just comes with the territory. And when you say lose clients, you mean because they pass away. Correct. Um, and so, not only are they entertaining, but educational as oh, well. Extremely. We learn so much. From our seniors. Yes, we do. Um, and inspirational. Absolutely. Now, what I find most difficult, I too love seniors. Uh, that's, you know, my passion, obviously. And mine came from being a nurse's aide in a nursing home and then also did home health care. But as a lawyer, what I have found is that I still love the seniors. But for me, what's difficult is not the seniors. It's, it's the, the families. children. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the families. And so talk about that from a care manager's perspective as far as when you've got a nice, sweet senior who will do anything that's in their best interest, but you've got the families that are actually making the placement, the placement of care difficult. It's such a good question. And one of the problems that I have with families is that they'll say to me, Mandy, I know that my mom or dad has got some dementia. Can you come and do an assessment? I'll come and do an assessment. I'll say, you're absolutely right. Your mom and dad has got some dementia and I'll make a recommendation. They'll say, well, let me ask what they think. And I say, well, <laughs> they're really not capable of making a truly rational decision, which is why you asked me to come in and do the assessment, yet you're still looking for them to really make the decision. So there's a lot of education that needs to be done with the, the child, with the adult child. And you also have to realize, again, for them, it's a grieving process because their parent is no longer the parent that they knew, and it's very difficult for them to come to terms with that. The worst thing I ran into is when siblings don't agree, mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's becoming more and more common, especially with finances involved and some adult children moving back in with their parents. So I'm also an elder mediator and I've had to use some of those mediation techniques to get, you know, the children just to sit down and say, look, this isn't really about you anymore. It's really what's best for mom or dad. And it's not always easy. Sometimes I have to go beyond the certain child and to the, for example, to a physician or, or an elder care attorney like you to say, can you explain to the child why it's so important that we make this decision for their parent. Mm -hmm. Which can often lead to court processes like guardianship, Correct. conservatorship. Do you have an opinion as to why you're starting to see more family members not agreeing? Is it because of the financial strain that families are under, um, under this economic situation? Or is it just as we get older, our philosophies are different as to what's in the best interest of somebody or is it truly that old age mommy loved me better I'm the oldest I should be able to make decisions and it's just baby boomers are more willing to express those things versus the generation before I think there's a component of all three I really do I do think this is a more selfish generation in terms of that our parents were more willing to uh, make concessions for their parents than I think we are 
uh, don't want to generalize, but that's a lot of it. But <laughs> But truly, it is. there is definitely a financial component. Like I said, there are adult children who've moved back in home with their parents because they can no longer afford to take care of themselves. Um, another thing I see, and I'm sure you do too, is some parents who have children with special needs. And then the, the, the siblings run into more problems. Well, now, how can you say that mom needs to move or whatever? Who's going to take care of my brother or sister? Right. Right. And so believing that mom or dad's immortal and um, always going to be there to take care of that other child with special right. needs. Um, and so, Mandy, you know, geriatric care management, uh, I opened with saying, you know, easily tell me what that is. And it isn't easy because not only is care management um, dealing with families and when you're dealing with personalities and care of people, that's not easy in and of itself. But care managers as a business all do something a little different. What makes your business unique and stand out from just the term geriatric care management? Thank you so much for asking that question. Um, two things. Number one, I'm a speech pathologist by profession. And I actually have an article on my website that says that speech pathologists make the best care managers because... <laughs> Did you write it? No. <laughs> but I could have. Um, but because we're so focused on communication. So that's number one. Number two, I've spent, as a speech pathologist, I spent almost all my career until I started my own business in the rehabilitation industry. So I'm very familiar with hospitals, rehabs, can talk the medical talk. Doctors love when me or one of my colleagues comes into the office because we prepared with a list of medications, questions, make sure that everything is followed up after the visit. But from my personal perspective, I love, as one of our mutual friends, Michelle, Oh, will tell you, I don't mind getting my hands dirty, okay? I love to go down and actually meet with the staff, to meet with the client. When there's a move, I will physically go and do as much as I can do to help. Okay. So I think it's the personal component that really sets me apart. So it's a true passion for you, not just true a passion. business model or something that's trendy today. Uh, to help. And I want to really highlight the first thing you said that you kind of glossed over. You said it, but went so fast. And that is communication. And that really is the key, not in my opinion, not only to all relationships, the success or failure of them. And caregiving is a relationship, um, no yes. matter which way you look at it, but also quality of life. When you can't have communication because somebody has limited hearing or eyesight or just a family member that's like, I'm all of a sudden the CEO of your life and mm -hmm. therefore you're going to do this. Bringing that communication component into it is oftentimes what does make the situation go smoothly. Is that what you have found? Oh, very much so. And in fact, it really helps the families to have somebody become the channel communicator, which is what I am establish a different form of communication and be either the bad guy or open up an avenue of communication that oftentimes children don't even want to deal with. And then the other thing I wanted to highlight was that um, you actually have medical credentials and history experience other than just, I loved my grandmother and I took care of somebody and therefore I'm qualified. That, that, that's a very, very important point. And in fact, if somebody was looking to hire a care manager, to me, that's one of the first things that you should look for is, are they a certified professional geriatric care manager with at least five years of experience and a, a master's level? Okay. And we are speaking with Mandy Markle, with Senior Resource Consulting, a geriatric care manager who has a lot of experience working with families in getting the care that family members need. And Mandy, 
what if you could tell us just one successful or unusual or interesting story uh, that will help our listeners work through the issues of helping a helping a family member with a difficult situation? Uh, one of my favorite stories is there. <laughs> she was ninety years old. I got a call from the son, and he said, "Look, my mom lives in Tennessee. She's still on the roof, <laughs> fixing her farm." <laughs> But she's become a hoarder, which is very common. She doesn't remember to take her medicines anymore, and we're very worried about her safety. We'd really like to bring her down to Atlanta to live closer to us. I said, I think that's great. I will be help, you know, whatever way I can. So we had a sort of intervention where mom met me, and she was very suspicious. Firstly, I have an accent you may have noticed. And so she <laughs> I was, like your accent. Where's that from? Thank you. South Africa. Okay, go ahead. Um, so that was the first thing that she wasn't quite sure about. And then I was very tall and she's very short. But we kind of got over that. We started talking. Uh, I was asking her questions, doing my assessment. And after about 20 minutes, she figured out what was going on. And she said, you can go now. And I said, okay. And I did. And I told her son, we set everything in motion. We picked a place. And we said, we just have to make this happen. And he said, how do we do that? And I said, we just do. Mm -hmm. You pick out the room. You do all the furniture. We had set everything up. And then we took her for lunch. She saw me and she said, what is she doing here? Right. <laughs> but you're now the other woman. Oh, I, correct. I was, <laughs> I was the badness, but that was okay. Um, so for the first maybe week, she was very mad at her son. In fact, even took her pic his picture off the wall. He was horrified. Uh, after about two weeks, she made friends. She started gaining weight. She took her medication. She became part of a community. And I'm happy to say that she put her son's picture back on the wall. Still did not put your picture on the wall, no. however. No, no, no. But, but, but did eat lunch with me a few times afterwards. So we got over there. And it made such a difference to her life and the family's life because people don't realize what a strain it is on a family to do long-distance caregiving, which is a great topic for another time. Absolutely. But to try and take care of um, a loved one from far away. And the point there is that the fear is the fear itself and people just need to take action. But yet having that neutral professional who's been through it before can give them the strength to do that. Absolutely. So, and sorry, if I could just make one other point that I like to say is when I meet the parent or the senior, that's all I know. When you as a child, you have all these this baggage, the memories of them as their parent. It's so much harder to confront as a child than it is for me as a professional. Sure, absolutely, because you you know they're still your parents. Correct. So, well, Mandy, how can people find more information about your business? Uh, you can find me online. You can Google me, Google Mandy Merkel, or Senior Resource Consulting is the name of my company. I highly encourage people to look at the association, CareManager.org. I'm I'm listed there along with other. Um, certified Professional Geriatric Care Managers. And what is your website? www.seniorresourceconsulting.com. Wonderful. And thank you so much, Mandy. That was very helpful as we then turn to Lewis thank Mann, uh, Atlanta Home Care Partners. And Lewis, what is Atlanta Home Care Partners? Uh, Atlanta Home Care Partners uh, started six years ago by my wife and I is a uh, non-medical in-home care agency where we uh, employ CNAs to... Um, certified nurses aides. Yes, certified nurse aides to help families age in place. And so Atlanta Home Care Partners is an independent company, not a franchise. It is. We started it from scratch. Right. And why did you start it? 
Good question. Um, we we came from an experience. My mother um, called me one day and um, said, come over. And when I got there, uh, she said, here's the keys. Here's the checkbook. Um, you say, thanks. I feel like I'm 16 again, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and she said, I got lost on the way home uh, from lunch with my sister. And um, so I know where this is going. Uh, I did not know where it was going, but she knew because she was uh, a judge and uh, helped families um, with guardianships and that kind of thing. And, you know, she made one question. She said one thing, don't let me embarrass myself, which sadly I couldn't keep that promise. But um, it, she had Alzheimer's. We went through a journey as a family trying to find out how you deal with that. We started... Um, you know, with trying to do it ourselves. My father was alive. He did not have any cognitive impairment. There's no handbook on that, is there? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. You can only learn by experience. Um, and we ended up with an agency like ours. They had moved into a retirement community. And uh, so we, from that, learned some issues with that can make that sort of relationship better. Mainly that, you know, um, they would send people who couldn't really speak loud enough for my parents to hear or spoke in a foreign language and sent people who uh, weren't trained in the care plan. So my wife um, was at the end of a business and uh, career and decided this was what um, she wanted to do. And she asked me to join her. And when I picked up the glass of wine I dropped on the floor thinking I'd be divorced in six months here we are and we've had we've had a a a great six years so you mentioned something that Mandy mentioned which is the communication issues and so it directly affected your parents um and so I've met both you and your wife um, and have known you for several years and you'll definitely have the passion and not just passion but you do what's necessary for a successful company who truly wants to help people. And and y'all don't just provide care, but you've created a program specific to Alzheimer's patients. Tell me about the Alzheimer's Whisperer. What is that? Well, we, uh, as we, because of our history of dealing with somebody who had Alzheimer's disease and the difficulty as that disease progressive progresses and how you deal with the behaviors that can come out of that, uh, it hasn't changed in the six years we've been working with Atlanta Home Care Partners. The dementia clients who we have, uh, it, um, if that disease progresses and they live long enough, then, um, you know, we had to find some other expertise. And, uh, we found a couple of, I was at a convention in, uh, for home care companies and I heard this lady speak and she and her partner are, psychiatric nurses and they train um, companies like mine, assisted living, nursing home personnel in how to um, effectively deal with people who have Alzheimer's. So can you give us some examples without, you know, violating trade secrets or anything? Sure. Well, basically what you had to do and what my father and I had to do, it hadn't changed since uh, we went through it. You have to recognize that the person with Alzheimer's is not going to change and they're not going to get better. Uh, you basically, as a son or a daughter, have to forgive them and 
So what you're saying is as a caregiver, you're hopeful that this is a temporary situation. And that seems reasonable because we have re- people with dementia have really good days and then not so good days. And so what you're saying to me is as a child, you are, that's something that a child has to come over is, is this isn't going to change. And well, yeah, because you, what you lose is that person is no longer your mother and you can't be a son or a daughter. In the way that you're no, yes. That, the way that you're comfortable with. So tell me about the forgiveness piece. Well, uh, that's what my dad came to me and said. He said, you're, you know, we're fighting and wanting her to be the same person and we're going to have to forgive her, uh, that this wasn't her fault. This so is you, a disease. Okay. And, um, we're going to have to celebrate the moments that she's present. That's what happens with people who have Alzheimer's disease. They are off in a world that you can't understand. It's very difficult to understand. They don't understand. And it's very difficult for a child or a caregiver to understand exactly what's going on. So with this um, experience that you've had, and now you own a home health care company, and um, so what is it like as a company, business owner, and you're employing certified nurses' aides to go into other people's homes? Um, is That's not always a smooth transition. So what do you do in order to make that a smooth transition? I mean, I've heard stories. Please share some of your own. But I've heard stories where, you know, families will – the, the, the person who needs care will literally lock caregivers out of their house, you know. Um, so how do you deal with that as a home health care company? You know, we, we've never had that occur, <laughs> but there's definitely, as Mandy was saying, a, a, a reluctance. And I think it's uh, it's an interesting reluctance because what I've heard what my um, and what people who are cognitive tell me who don't have cognitive impairment uh, say that they're afraid of what other people are going to think. And what's really strange about that is people on the outside world, at least this is the way I feel, um, really wonder what, why you don't take care of yourself and add some help so that you can remain independent and have a quality of life and that you're hiding it. So it's like they're wishing um, that something would happen and it doesn't. But it brings up that dignity is still extremely important, that um, that we do still get embarrassed to the end of our days. Um, just because we have memory issues or a disability of some sort doesn't um, eliminate our need for, um, you know, our dignity and things like that. So. No, dignity is really important. And that's part of what uh, the Alzheimer's Whisperer program is about. It's giving you giving a caregiver, whether it's a professional caregiver or a family caregiver, a frame of reference on why people behave the way they do and strategies to help them uh, deal with that. We are listening to Lewis Mann, the Executive Vice President of Atlanta Home Care Partners, with our Senior Salute topic, Difficult Clients and long-term care placements. And Lewis, I imagine that, you know, we've been talking about Alzheimer's care a lot, but this is not an Alzheimer's episode. Your company does work with people who do not have Alzheimer's as well, correct? That's true. Um, You know, it's interesting. We get calls usually in a crisis. Um, That's probably... Uh, you That's know, when we get calls. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and 
<laughs> so there's there's a tension that's going on and um you know we try to um although we're not licensed geriatric care managers we're practical about providing someone with what's best uh for their circumstance so we look at you know their uh, medical issues, their socialization, where they live, and try to give the family a straight um, call as to what we would do if if we were the children. So um, essentially, you're trying to assess, does home health care even make sense? Absolutely. Because even though they're calling you, and while you'd love the business, sometimes it's just not the right decision. Absolutely. And so then you would call Amandi um, and help them then if you're not the right service, help them find the right service. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned certified nurses aid earlier. What is the difference between private duty, non-medical home care and home health? Because I think we all use the term loosely, home health. That's a really good question. Um, home health is driven by a medical event, and it has specific care that you may need um, that relates to that medical event. And so if you need nursing care or um, physical therapy or occupational therapy or hospice, that's all paid for um, typically by Medicare supplemental insurance. It, you know, sometimes people uh, receive home health care when they're not 65 years old and on Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a small component of... Um, private non-medical care that comes along with that. It's very small, a couple of times a week. And um, the uh, Congress has cut that benefit or the remuneration for that benefit. So you get a couple to two or three times a week for an hour to help you with a bath. But someone who actually needs help with living throughout the day. So like supervision and help with preparing meals and, right. and maybe putting some clothes on and things like that. Absolutely. Transferring, um, bath- so bathing, um, those kind of things. That's what a private duty, non-medical home care company would do, would be. But for non-medical, you can still take a blood pressure. Absolutely. And a temperature. It's really important. Um, because we're we want to know what your medical condition is, not to provide medical care, but to track uh, things that are related to keep you out of the hospital, like blood pressure, um, how much water you drink, what your um, uh, you know how much food you eat, uh, what your weight could, is. Yeah, indicators that could avoid a crisis, absolutely, and keep you out of the hospital. And so, how can people find um, your business? If they need home health care, well, they can look me up on my <laughs> website, which is uh, www.atlantahomecarepartners with an S dot com. And what would you say your strengths as a home health care company are? Because there's a lot of choices out there. A lot and of choices. So tell me what your strengths are. Well, I think, um, you know, my wife and I have a personal involvement in every case and every caregiver that's hired, one of us is involved in that decision-making process and the care plan associated with that client. So you're uh, very involved owners. It's right. not just a business for you, but it's, you know, it's what you do. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing we learned from the experience with my parents is that you've talked about earlier today. There's a fear factor and 
any of us at this table would be afraid to have somebody they don't know come into the home. Absolutely. And, uh, and sometimes even those they do know. <laughs> <laughs> <That's correct. laughs> so. And so um, we just don't uh, send people that aren't, that haven't been introduced and hadn't been trained in the care plan. Um, you know, that's difficult uh, as more care, as somebody needs more and more care, but uh, that's a uh, a big difference, I think, that, than some of the people who are in the marketplace. Um, and uh, the other thing is this Alzheimer Whisperer program. If you have cognitive impairment, that changes the whole dynamic of what you need to be taken care of and to remain independent and have a quality of life. It makes mm-hmm. it... Uh, it's a big difference. That's so a whole new dimension. We just decided that uh, we would do whatever it took to become experts. And it's um, the training is one thing, but, you know, we actually go through an, uh, an assessment process and develop an Alzheimer Whisperer plan by um, learning the person's life story and where they're uh, what their memory is in that life story and use that to create strategies for dealing with behaviors. So the training alone is not enough. You have to actually implement what you've learned and then use it with your clients. Well, Lewis, you know, with people wanting to stay at home, I mean, that is the number one goal is to stay at home and get care. I appreciate you being on our show and sharing with us the services you provide, the information about the Alzheimer's Whisperer and uh, to find Atlanta Home Care Partners. Go to their website, atlantahomecarepartners.com. Thank you. You're welcome. And although I love talking to my professionals, this is one of my favorite parts of the show, which is where we highlight our senior, our honor our seniors. And today, I love the senior that we are honoring today because I've known her for how many years? Almost 10 years. Almost 10 years. And when she came to my office initially... I knew I was going to love her from the beginning because she was so independent. And while I love that, sometimes people can see that as being very stubborn and hard to do what we as caregivers feel we need to do. And so anyway, and so I thought it was appropriate to have her here today on Independence Day and honor her, but also on the topic of, you know, trying to get care for someone who really needs it. And so to do that, I have Miss Helen Whittington is the senior we are honoring and her daughter, Kristen Whittington, here in the studio with us. Thanks for being here, Kristen. Thank you. Now, what, how old was your mom when she came to see us? Um, I think she was 88. And when I should say when you dragged her to come see me. Yes. <laughs> and um, 88, and she was blind. Legally virtually, blind? Virtually. She had, yeah, yeah um, macular degeneration. And living at home alone with a dog. And a cat. And a cat, Mm -hmm. which is one reason why she didn't, I mean, that was the primary reason she didn't want to leave her home, isn't Mm -hmm. it, was to take care of those animals. Yes. Um, So tell me, you know, I could talk all day about her because I just loved her spirit, and that's why I wanted to honor her so much was her spirit, um, which is, she's still alive, isn't she? She is 98 now. She's 98, and um, and still got that spirit. Mm -hmm. So tell me a story that you uh, would like to share about your mother. Well, I think the thing that, that, typifies her most is, um, I call it the day she stopped driving. Um, <laughs> because she did have macular degeneration, but she refused to give up the car. Scary. And, and um, <laughs> we knew it was bad, but we didn't quite know how bad it was until I got a phone call. And the 
person on the phone said, I'm from the sheriff's office in Hall County, and I've got your mother. And, of course, my stomach is sinking. And he said, oh, she's all right, but uh, she was in a kind of an accident, and I just, uh, she won't go to the hospital. So I said, okay, let me talk to her. And what happened was she, because she couldn't see directly in front of her, she hit the car that was at the stoplight right in front of her. And uh, didn't do much damage, but shook herself up. And I said, okay, Mom, let the, the nice gentleman take you to the emergency room, and I will come up and pick you up. And I found out later, she made him go to her house and put her groceries away before she went to the hospital, <laughs> because it was just too important. That's so, right. Well, you know, I mean, if you've got milk, you've got to get it in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so, you know, we've heard... Lewis, and we've heard Mandy talk about how to manage a difficult situation. And you were a daughter yeah. who lived three hours away. I mean, it was one hour away. One hour away. Yeah. It felt like three. It did. Um, <laughs> still so, does. <laughs> um, and now as a, a, as a daughter, um, everybody manages things differently. Now, you actually have a profession that helps you kind of deal with difficult situations. I sure hope so. And what is that? Well, I do... Um, what I call energy work. I do reflexology and Reiki. Um, I also add some things in there from what I know about herbal medicine. Um, all these things to kind of help people get back in balance when they are so stressed out and so just out of sorts. It can just help calm and relax. Well, me as well as them, but I do it for them. Right. And, you know, touch is so important mm-hmm. for everyone, but I've found that it's extremely helpful for seniors. Yes. And specifically, we've talked a lot about dementia today, mm-hmm. people with dementia. Yeah. Um, so were those techniques you were using on your mother? <laughs> well, this is the thing. She does not want me to do that. Um, Some people don't like to be touched. My mother's one of those. Uh, she doesn't mind being touched. Now, where she is now, she's in assisted living and they had a barbecue just the other day. And I met some of the family members there, and this one gentleman who was kind of brand new, he said, oh, yes, I give your mom a kiss on the forehead every morning. And his wife is there, too, so she's beaming and watching this. So they they love my mother. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mind being touched. She doesn't mind. She likes to give hugs. But um, maybe it's that residual she doesn't trust me. Could so be. I do that for other people, and I kind of sneak a little Reiki in when she's not watching. <laughs> Great. So, Kristen, thank you for sharing your story about your mom. Um, and tell us how people can reach you if they would like to be able to relax and be able to at least control their stress while in, uh, you know, stressful environments otherwise. Okay. Well, I have a practice of Reiki and reflexology uh, in Toco Hills. I have a website, which is energydancinginbalance.com, and you can find me on Facebook, and uh, I think that covers it pretty much. That does. Thank you so much. And you have been listening to Senior Salute, which which airs live every Friday at 3 p.m. and is also available 24-7 online by visiting seniorsalute.businessradio.com. X.com. And today is Independence Day. So go out, be independent, be safe, and uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And I would like to thank our guests and our listeners. We salute you. <laughs>